Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you talking about? What yeah. did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to you, face. I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them. What you're doing down here, you're showing me, man. It has been a hell of a week for the rarely seen art of celebrating scoring a goal against your former team. We had Liam Brady on the pod talking us through his first goal back in English football for West Ham mm-hmm. when he scored against Arsenal and marked the occasion by wheeling away, launching himself into the arms of the adoring Hammers Irons supporters and yesterday Ollie Watkins stepped up to the plate big style after knocking in the winner against his old team Brentford welcome to Monday Second Captain's Football Pod hey fellas hey on how's it going it's quite the celebration by the Villa striker standing in the Brentford goal hands on hips Rick flaring it it's gone in and it's Ollie Watkins (laughs) that's Watkins wooing yeah yeah and then (laughs) then he starts jabbing his finger uh, somewhat reminiscent of Yakini, the yeah. Nigeria striker all those yeah. years ago. He was more shaking the net. He was more shaking the net and putting his fist through the net yeah, in, in happiness. Yeah. But this was more pointed. Literally more pointed. More, more pointed and more pointing. Yeah, more pointing going on here as he sticks his finger through the back of the net in a gesture aimed at one Brentford fan in particular, as Watkins explained to the match of the day too. Um, there was one individual that had been giving me abuse all game from the first corner they got um, he had been onto me all game uh, saying personal stuff so um, I thought if it happens once you know it's, it's fine but two three four times um, kept going on to me um, I thought I'm gonna get him back so it was it was aimed at him not anyone else at the stadium you know I have a lot of respect for the club the people here the owner everyone uh, the manager and that's what I said to him after when I was walking off um, you know that I would never celebrate deliberately if I didn't if I wasn't agitated um, but it was only him um, you know he was targeting me and, and saying those things now with, with hindsight would you do that again well, if he if he said those things to me again yeah I'll do it again but it doesn't mean I don't respect anyone else in the stadium, but if that individual saying those things to me that he did, I'd do it a thousand times. Jonathan Pierce's attitude towards this throughout the whole thing was really weird. Like in the commentary, oh, Watkins doesn't need to be getting involved. It's like, who cares? Like he's literally in the goal. Previously in the same commentary, Jonathan Pierce, there kept being these bad fouls, and Jonathan Pierce kept saying, he's not that type of player. Yeah. He said it a couple of times, then suddenly with Watkins, he shouldn't be doing that. I don't know what yeah, was. Really, what was really a good odd. answer by Ollie Watkins, though. Yeah. It's like, mm, yeah, no, I'll be I doing will. that again. It's the next literally time. me pointing from a distance of yeah, 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. yards to someone who's been abusing me all game. It did fairly set the game off. It was madness yeah. after that. For was. Quite a while. Greg Zilla was on to me demanding more Villa chat today, more Holt and Ken. So I just wanted to start with that. We'll get into the football further in a moment. Just to mention, US Murph is on tomorrow, especially for World Service members. And a quick heads up on. Another podcast during the week, a Murph movie club mm-hmm. with special guests, Brano and Ken. I know. No way! 
Yes. Watch, watch, I'm afraid so, Junior Murph. What should our World Service members be watching to have their research done for... Uh, the Ronnie O'Sullivan documentary, The Edge of Everything, oh, which yeah. is on Amazon Prime. And then Nyad as well, uh, which is a movie that's generating some Oscar buzz, courtesy oh, of the lead performance of Annette Bening. Mm-hmm. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. It's me, it's Brano, it's Ken... It's movies. Vibes. Good vibes. Ah, listen. Christmas vibes. That sounds very Christmas. Extremely Christmas. I mean, have I bought the RT RT Guide Christmas Edition? Maybe on. Maybe I have. Maybe I'll be marking a few cards. (laughs) I'm not going to make any grand promises. I'm not going to write checks that my butt can't cash on. But suffice to say, the RT Guide has been bought. And I will be perusing. Valuable resource for you at this time here. Of course. Sign up now to the World Service and secondcaptains.com. Five euro a month plus fat. Yeah, I, I see Richard Keyes accused Ollie Watkins of inciting violence. <laughs> uh, which is... Uh, well, I didn't see any violence. Did that point of mine... You didn't see any violence. Well, there was violence between the players. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, yeah. There was violence between the players. So I suppose maybe he did incite violence. Maybe it was the supporter who incited the violence. By maybe you know, once we Do you start, go back far enough, Ken. Yeah, putting negative energy out there. Yeah, you know, we didn't. I mean, we didn't hear what the guy supposedly said. No, the, he was asked at one stage. That was that was an edit that BBC put up in another. And when I was watching live on Match of the Day two last night, they John the Pierce asked, "Was it racial? Was yeah. it racial abuse?" And he said, "No, no, 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 that wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't racial yeah. abuse." And he just moved on. So he didn't say exactly what was said. Yeah, well, which is fair enough. He doesn't have to say exactly what horrible things he was being called. It, it really set the stage for Emiliano Martinez, <laughs> yes. who has been the dominant player of... Mm. Who is the dominant player of this podcast now? He's the dominant he figure is, yeah. in, I would say, English well, and do, perhaps world Well, football. do do a what? Another goalkeeper might get a mention before the end of today's <laughs> pod. He's been prominent in the last few days as well. Um, Former Israel goalkeeper. Uh, Martinez, I, I, I did laugh a lot at what was happening between Martinez and Neil Mopé at the end of... Well, Neil Mopé laughed game. a lot for part of it. Yeah. Mope, I mean... Do you remember the bit? So, the, so it starts with Mope barreling into Martinez after the ball had gone out of play. Maybe well, there was something before that, was there? Well, Mope... Well, Mope, I mean, there's there's a lot before. Mope is, is in a way, Emiliano Martinez's football father. Mm. Uh, Emiliano Martinez sprang fully formed from the head, the shithousing head of <laughs> Neil Mope <laughs> really? in the summer of 2020, like oh, Athena well. from the Skull of Zeus. Of course. Well, listen, you know, of course. Me. When it comes to skull births, myself and Owen, there's little or nothing we don't know. Yeah, the, Mope was the guy who fouled, um, fatefully fouled Bernd Lane at that time, which opened the door for Emiliano Martinez to come into the Arsenal team, uh, win them the FA Cup, demand. Demand the first place, 100% guaranteed, cast iron guarantee. Uh, I'm I'm number one from Mikel Arteta that he had earned, only for Arteta to vacillate. Well, he doesn't do that, Arteta. He doesn't guarantee uh, your maybe spot. He should do it, mm. Maybe he should do it. Maybe he should do it. But instead, he preferred to vacillate and to say, I can promise you 95%. What's the point of saying that to someone? No. What's the point of saying 95%? 95% wasn't good enough. So Martinez plays for Aston Villa now. Where he's a man 100, of honour. He's 100% guaranteed. Yeah. And he managed to start a fight which got one of his teammates sent off. <laughs> but Nathan Collins was doing his best to get sent off. He was. So I don't know if you saw. He, he, was, he was absolutely... Charged it in like a bull. <laughs> he really was. He literally ran past Martinez. He, like, he just sprinted at full he's speed. Big man, Nathan to, Collins, as well. Yeah, takes he's a while to slow down. Like yeah. a, a squabble over a bag of rotten fruit on Moor Street. <laughs> and he was absolutely... <laughs> Absolutely given it. But for some reason, camera just randomly got it from the ref. It's no, you. not randomly, Ken. Put his hands to his face, Ken. Yeah. You can't do that. You can <laughs> apparently just drag players around the ground like Martinez did at one stage. <laughs> well, throw him around like a ragdoll. Throw him around the place. But you do not put hands on. <laughs> just, just what Martinez did, you know, I'm, I'm going to, in a sportsman-like way, help this guy up, but in the most obnoxious way yeah, yeah. possible <laughs> by sort of grabbing at his clothes and sort of tearing his clothes off. Uh, I helpfully offered to pick him up by his hair. <laughs> I said, I said, at which point the player in question grew, grew annoyed and irritated. I said Mope was laughing because at one stage during this, when the ball was going out, went out for it was a bad back pass, wasn't it? Anyway, it ends up going out of play past the end line. Mope's running past Martinez and launches himself into Martinez. Martinez then launches himself to the ground and Mope is just breaking a shite laughing yeah, as he's yeah. running off. Yeah, I, I felt quite enjoying the whole thing at that yeah, point. Yeah. And that, yeah, that, well, Martinez. I mean, it is a year today since since uh, I mean, Martinez became the, uh, the champion of the world. Oh yeah, yeah, a year to the day. 
The you world, know his birthday. David O'Doherty's birthday. The World Cup trophy still hasn't recovered. Well, it <laughs> it was treated with rank disrespect mm. on the occasion. Well, that wasn't the worst. That wasn't the World Cup trophy. It was the Golden Glove trophy. Oh, indeed. Uh, it was. The World Cup trophy. Correct. It, it was a five escape. a five finger trophy. Mm. Uh, yeah, um, what a what a day it was. Um, mm. um, Holt and Ken was was impressed with the Villa. Oh yeah, well I mean you know you're you're losing away to Brentford doesn't really look good. They did uh, get the red card obviously against Ben Mee, which changed the dynamic. Which I thought was uh, I didn't think it should have been a red card actually. I thought it should have been a yellow, but uh, flow. What there was, was a uh, few of these decisions. What was um, uh, very apparent when listening to Jonathan Pierce commentating on matches two last night was that he didn't say that Ben Mee was not that kind of player for that tackle. It was like, well, I could see Ben Mee doing that. I think it was only his second you know, yeah. red card in his career. It was one of two upgraded red cards, the other being Raul Jimenez. So there was a, a, a real rant by Marco Silva, who seems like he wants to get some kind of a lifetime ban. Just judging by the way he's been going on. Like, I mean, he keeps getting booked for descent, obviously. We know that. But he's now, he, after the, the uh, film game where, where Jimenez got sent off um, against Lucas, so the ref gave him a booking, and then they were like, no, it's worse than that. Mm-hmm. And he, okay, does he sort of Harold Schumacher his opponent? A little bit. But is it intentional? I don't believe it is. You know? Yeah, uh, if Ederson had done it, you'd be calling for a red card. Yeah, but That's no, but Sorry, you're saying that wasn't a red card. I didn't think it was. Uh, I thought Jimenez won. Yeah, I didn't think it was. Oh one. my god! Yeah, uh, he's no. lost. He Harold Schumacher, the man. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The, 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 the crucial too deeply Wait, in the no, Christmas no, no. spirit. Oh, no, no, no. You really have. No. You are your time of it. This is a time for forgiveness. The crucial ingredient in those Schumacher and Ederson situations is the is the momentum. The the momentum of tell that to Sean Longstaff's skull. Yeah, but long, there wasn't really much force in it. I, you know, I, oh. I, I think he just he kind of went for the ball, missed it, and then he kind of weirdly collides. Is this yeah. I mean, Look, I, I just thought he was. Un- I mean, and and in both cases, the referees gave yellows, and I thought that was probably the right uh, decision. And then they were like, "No, no, you shouldn't change." He look. He goes at him with his right with his foot really high. Does take his foot out slightly. By which stage he's in the air and lands into his face with his hip. Ah, uh, and if you do it in the street, you'd be looking at right you. to the head. It's not the best part of the body to be hit with uh, on your head from Longstaff's point of view. Marco Silva, Marco Silva pointed out he'd yeah. already been he'd already been elbowed, um, Raul Jimenez, and the ref well, maybe that should have been a red card. Ref too. Didn't I don't see know, a problem with this that. This particular oh, one was the, ref the clearest red card you'll ever see. Yeah, okay. The ref didn't see a, <laughs> the ref didn't see a problem with that. But uh, now, there, that's the kind of the, the worst decision. I think the worst decision of the whole uh, weekend, and not immediate, but like it's just it was just so obnoxious that. It does demand to be talked about before any of the rest of the not very good match. Mm. Um, was Michael Oliver sending off Diogo Dallo? Mm-hmm. Like what? That is just one of the most ridiculous um, acts of showboating I've ever seen. From so this referee. was for descent, a double booking for a double descent. Well, like it appears. Yeah. Okay. First of all, the decision is wrong. Right. The the throw in yeah. is clearly not a. Liverpool throw-in, as the ref has called it. So Dallow is frustrated because Dallow, by the way, was having one of his best games that I've seen him have. In a, you know, in a, certainly in the, on the defensive level, he won nearly every one of his duels with uh, Luis Diaz. Um, had played a part in a really you know hard-fought defensive performance. They're within inches of the finishing line. You know, they're they're in injury time. Uh, they've worked all you know for ninety plus minutes for this situation. The ref gives his second his second stupid mistake in like a minute. There had been a foul over the other side where uh, Endo had been given a free kick for fouling Hannibal, mm-hmm. uh, and the ref gave a free kick. So I think that was sort of the frustration from that is boiling over. He then Salah then kicks the ball out of play. Salah and Dallo kind of tussing for the ball goes off Salah fairly clearly. The linesman is over the far side of the pitch. Uh, well, there's another linesman who doesn't mm. see it, you know, on the on the other uh, at the other half. But the ref gives the throw the wrong way. Dello is annoyed with this because he he knows that it's not a throw and reacts badly. So the referee decides to book him, and then he can't believe that he's been booked for protesting an incorrect decision. And again, is like ah, and then the referee, mm. what's he doing? What is he doing, Oliver? Why, why can't he just go to Dallow and say, look, shut, you know, shut yeah. up, I've booked you, calm down. Like, why can't he? He whips out the card again, like, well, just well, no, it is no one of their directives, isn't it? It is one of their yeah. hot-button topics this I, I do feel, though, that a directive like that should be... 
say someone like uh, you know sarcastically applauding you or something. You know which, what I mean? Like, which had which had happened early in the game. With Darren. Darren Nunes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously, he didn't see that. I suppose. Yeah, but something something like that, where it's like that's kind of undermining the ref's authority in a like in a. I don't know. I think that's different to just like anger boiling over over an incorrect decision. You yeah. get your yellow card. Like obviously, you should be able to just like walk away, except the fact that you've, you know, you've uh, that you've given the referee the chance to give you a yellow card. But like, get two in quick succession for something that did, I mean, maybe it was the most vile, horrendous abuse Michael Oliver has ever heard in his twenty years of refereeing. But yeah. that didn't appear to be the case and we'd probably have been told the second part been. didn't seem as drastic the first one was pretty over the top from that I mean it's a, it is yeah, it's a, a yellow card yeah, like it's, a, you know, the, it's a yellow the, card the way that the game yeah. is at that point okay yeah but it's a yellow card but then to, to, for, to turn it into a red card for, yeah. for essentially no, the same thing it's just crazy it's like well, what are you doing oh, this is your, your pathetic authority this, you think this is you think this is going to increase respect towards you and towards referees mm. Dallo will remember you for the rest of his life you know, he'll he remember this idiot who sends him off in, in these circumstances. You think that's going to breed respect? I don't think so. Will it mean Dallas less likely to dissent against him? Maybe. Uh, I mean, in, in the context of the game, there was barely Is any time. Is that not the same thing? There was barely any time left in the game. And he'd already, you know, he, he applied double standards, clearly. You know, he could have sent off Dar- Darwin Nunez in, his, in a similar incident. I mean, he booked Nunez for charging into Evans. Evans sent, or Nunez sent booted the ball away, although he could claim it was a shot. Uh, even though the whistle had gone some time previously. Yeah. And then he applauded the ref. I can only assume he didn't see that because yeah. in the mood it he was, was in. sideline official that he was applauding sarcastically, I think. Well, maybe, maybe, the, maybe Michael yeah. Over doesn't care about that. But uh, I, I, was, I was amused to read today Peter Walton. And now, listen, Peter Walton was writing in the Times. Uh, can you guess what he thought about the decision? I think he backed his referee friend 100%. There was no doubt that Diogo Dello <laughs> was right when he claimed it was a Manchester United throw after his challenge with Liverpool's Mohamed Salah, but it was poor self-discipline from the defender, very poor self-discipline from the defender to show his dissent so clearly and to carry on doing so, all the more in the current climate when everyone knows referees are clamping down dissent. There are ways of showing you disagree with the decision that refs will allow. A quiet word or a facial expression, such as a raised eyebrow. <laughs> he write that, did he? <laughs> Literally, he has written a facial expression, such as a raised eyebrow. Can you imagine if Dallow had turned around and given a big <laughs> raised eyebrow to, to like a really raised eyebrow, yeah, as much yeah. as he could? Because Carlo Ancelotti uh, manages to communicate almost all emotions yeah, through that, yeah. through the eyebrow, just to show how much he disagreed with the decision to give the throw the wrong way. Just a big, you know, is that a? Uh, Are you okay there, Diogo? Yeah, I'm just trying to raise the right eyebrow. But, and there's this is a bit of is wisdom of Johnny Giles, for example. Mm-hmm. You can't make it so overt that the person in row Z can see it. And that is exactly what Dello did by throwing his arms in the air. Then, having been booked, he continues to throw his arms in the air. And that definitely warranted a second yellow and a sending off. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't. It warranted one yellow card. Mm. And maybe... Uh, be careful now. I could send you off. Yeah. Shut, shut up and get on with the game. Yeah. That's, all you, that's all you do, right? He misses the game now. Why? For, like, it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. After playing a really good game, he now has to miss the next game because of this, because of he, Michael he, he Oliver's pathetic well, authority. But he, he continues. The, now, here we, here we have an unusual uh, bit from Peter Walton where he starts to fill in some personal backstory. Oh, yeah. I have to confess that as a ref, I had a situation very like this one. And, having booked the player, allowed him to get away with his second act of dissent. So, when Michael Oliver brandished the second jello on Sunday, I applauded him. I got it wrong, and he got it right. Wow. So, like, just, you know, revenge for for uh, Pete, uh, Peter Walton and all the disrespected referees out there. Um, uh, Nunez should have been sent off as well, adds... Adds uh, Peter Walden. I hope Oliver's action with Dallow in this game may send a message to the players that we may see a little less dissent. Well, yeah. It would be nice also if they stopped giving obviously wrong decisions all the time. But I suppose they can't do anything about that. So they just have to clamp down on people complaining about the obviously yeah. wrong decisions. Anyway, um, enough of that. The game itself, not a good game. No, I missed it. 
You missed it. Yeah. You didn't miss much. I was so delighted when it came out. <laughs> you were delighted that no. we all sat through a yeah, terrible completely. game. Yeah, completely. I was. What about, what about your fellow man and woman? Or? No, 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 no. I, so I was. It's one of these double bookings. You know, it's like yeah. you gotta. You gotta also go to things in your life. Well, I, you football. know my thoughts on this one. You know I frowned upon so you was, going to things other than presenting uh, podcasts yeah. or television shows about Premier League football. So I was in the Borgosh Energy Theatre watching Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Oh, how'd it go? Uh, slow burn. Slow burn? Yeah, first half. They spent the entire first part just getting to the, filling in the backstory. You know? Oh, okay. Which is the way it is in the book because I've actually yeah. read the book again yeah, with yeah. my kid just to get, and it's like, there's a lot of, a lot of backstory before you actually get into the chocolate factory. Oh, would you believe it? Or and they went, they went, they were faithful to that part of the story, so. Stuck in the bed for three years and then he can walk around yeah. like, he walks that chocolate factory fucking four times over the hour. Yeah. My my companion to my left, my son, was also yeah. just getting a bit tetchy in that first half. I was feeding him food. Just <laughs> please get through to the interval and then we can we can reassess, you know. <laughs> Second half, he loved it. I was more relaxed. It was great. They're in the factory, you know, they're all ah, having yeah. a great time. The so it takes them to the second half to get to the factory. Yes, I'm saying. Willy Wonka's first appearance is just before the interval. Oh. And then everyone's so like, what? So just all the, the, the grandparents in the bed? or Not just, well, the grandparents in the bed and then each... To, uh, each Winning of the child. kids finding yeah. their, you know, your Violet Beauregards of this world, your Maruka Salts, <laughs> oh, yeah, your Augustus yeah. Gloops, them all finding their yeah, tickets. Of course. Not forgetting Mike TV. This is probably not what we need to get into right now, Ken. I walked out, I was thinking, oh, God, I'm going to come out of this and it's, I'm going to have missed a, a 4 3 or more realistically a 6, a six nil, nil, a 7 nil, an 8 nil. A big story. Nil. Then I found out be? it was nil all and I was, I was just delighted that I didn't miss anything. Well, mm. That was well, missed, that's, well, it was bloody awful, Owen. You missed uh, an obdurate uh, Manchester United defensive performance, Owen. Um, did, did he though? Uh, they let in you know, about, like, did they not let in about 32 shots or something? 34. They were None of them were very good shots. No. Uh, there wasn't really a single... I mean, the best chance that Liverpool made was the one where uh, Diaz ended up kind of taking a shot off Darwin's toe. Mm -hmm. um, it was blocked by Amrabat, I think, who then collides with Diaz. The ball then dribbles away. And Darwin Nunez, for some reason, decides, rather than run after the ball and try and kick it at the goal, for example, something he could have tried, or even to run, run, get the ball and turn around and pass it to someone else in the box who then could kick it at the goal. Instead, he just stops and, and sort of says, well, I mean, I think yeah. you should give us a penalty for that. The, <laughs> I think Carr Car nearly fell out of the commentator's gantry. Yeah. Why he stop? <laughs> Why did he just stop? Well, he did. I mean, he stopped. Uh, I don't know if he thought that the ball was going to run out of play and he wasn't going to get it, but I couldn't help noticing that Johnny Evans, who was coming from a long way further back than uh, Darwin Nunez and is not as quick as Darwin Nunez, nearly managed to get to the ball to stop it going out for a corner. So I'm pretty sure that if he had gone for it, he would have been able to get there, but for some reason he didn't. And this was one of a lot of poor moments from Darwin Nunez. I haven't been getting as many uh, messages, Owen, in recent weeks <laughs> as this Darwin Nunez goalless drought has stretched into its, well, it's now 10 matches. Yesterday didn't prompt a, a, a spate of... Weirdly, I haven't things. got any I haven't got any messages from people saying, oh, you know, I've actually looked at this and I'm, I'm reconsidering and maybe maybe I was wrong. No, I haven't got, haven't got that. I haven't got any of those. Um, but no one's come to apologise to you about their previously no one has, beliefs about. No one has done that. Wow. No one has done that. The silence of the internet, deafening. But you know, he he. Uh, there was there was a couple of a few bad moments. I mean, there was there was a cross from I think Alexander Arnold, one of the only good balls he played. Now again, it sounds like I'm singling him out here. I'm not. I'm going to go through a few people because they were all terrible. <laughs> uh, the only uh, Liverpool players who weren't terrible, I think, were. Allison and the two central defenders who played well. Everybody else, I really don't know what they yeah. thought they were doing. Um, and and this is you know Klopp had said before the game. And this is the team that dominated possession. This is the, this was the dominant team because United were really bad. Oh. like they were terrible. And and I know I said obdurate defending. And they, okay, they didn't make any massive mistakes that led to really simple chances. Mm. You know, Onana missed a free kick in the first couple of minutes, and it looked like. Then there was a, a move by Amrabat where he seemed to misjudge. There was like a bad pass by Trent Alexander Arnold that Amrabat kind of turning inside out on himself made into a into a good pass you know by sort of oh where's that ball going Amrabat was uh, Amrabat got himself so confused that I was like is he walking a dot has he gotten like 
caught up in his do- in his, his dog's dog lead, lead. Yeah. that's the sort of move that I make when uh, the dog Pickles runs around walks you. to my left and then to my right. I have to like <laughs> walk around. I have to do a full three sixty turn just to untangle myself. That's what Amrabat did though without the dog. Yeah, it was it was puzzling, and you know, it's again, it's it's, it's slightly over a year since he was. Was it was it Mbappe that Amrabat tackled? Was it, was it him who did the famous tackle in the Morocco France World Cup semi final? What the hell was going on there? Mm. You know the World Cup. He he looked like a real, uh, you know, mobile dominant yeah, sort then of. Then he moved to Man United. <sighs> yeah, I mean he. The footballers, yeah. Oh man, he has looked weak. So when you, but but you know, Liverpool were were so sloppy, so kind of imprecise. Sobisly, I thought. I mean, we said a couple of weeks ago, I thought he was looking a bit tired. He was awful. I couldn't believe he lasted as long as he did. Himself and Nunez, you know, both lasted about an hour in the game. Uh, no, Nunez actually was till the 78th minute, I think. That was, that was when he was finally replaced. Couldn't believe it. Um, Sabasai was just doing everything wrong. You know, he's put got the wrong weight on every ball. He's, there was one where he tried to sort of dribble out in the right wing and back heel the ball. You know, he, he's trying to take it forward and he back heels it. Didn't, you know, he just gets gets his feet in a, in a mix. Um, Alexander-Arnold, again, just hitting the wrong weight on every pass. You know, balls out for goal kicks. You know, just slamming. Uh, you know, he's trying to drive three balls up the pitch just straight into the legs of United players. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is terrible. Like, yeah. They're not. They're not Sorry, really making really anything did, happen. Really missed the battle. Oh man, uh, the six <laughs> midfielders on show were all this is, this awful. All Every single one better. of them. Like, we don't know what Menu's uh, sort of ceiling is. Ah, mm. don't hammer a. Yeah, year no, old. he was. He wasn't that bad. I mean, he was. He was. He, really he played a nice ball to Garnacho, who he had did. a. He had that almost a the, chance. Yeah, that was a defended by Alexander Arnold. May have been the only moment of quality by any of the midfielders in the entire game. Like mm. Endo, Amrabat, Sabazlai. We're all Gravenberg, <laughs> which is strange. Normally, kind of anonymous. If the yeah. midfielders are bad in one team, it's because the other yeah they've been side dominated, is controlling no. it and playing well. They're just mm. passing the ball to each other. Yeah, but you know, at the end, at the end of it, like I think Darwin um, needs to be better. Uh, that's been an issue for a while. The the I mentioned that cross by Alexander Arnold, one of the one of the few good crosses he actually played. Nunez with a chance uh, doesn't head it at the goal. Like heads it back to the towards the the near post. You know, it's it's a good chance if he just heads it at the goal, but he he kind of heads it back towards the near post, which surprises the players there. Gravenberg and Diaz, I think, who Gravenberg tries to kind of kick Diaz's head off, and they between them managed to miss the chance. And there maybe wasn't another chance as good as that again for Liverpool in the game. Um, another moment when when the ball came to Nunez, he's got Simicas on an overlap. He's on just inside the box, and it was like he, he just froze. You know, it's like rabbit in the headlights. But you're you're meant to be the headlights, like you're you're meant to be the truck, and Johnny Evans is meant to be the rabbit. That's what that's what it's supposed to be here. But it's Evans, you know. And Evans never looked troubled by this guy. By the way, Evans and Varane, what's going on here? Uh, you know, Johnny Evans had come into the team, was playing left centre back with Harry Maguire, who uh, was right centre back. This was all to do with the footedness of the centre backs, mm. and Varane was on the bench because he doesn't fit into this because I'm playing Maguire on the right. And now it's Varane playing left centre back and Johnny Evans playing right centre back. I'm kind of confused here as to exactly why Varane <laughs> had to be dropped for the last however long. Again, he looked, you know, he looked pretty decent um, in the game. Not that he was overly tested, but. Um, yeah, I mean, what what else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was looking at. I, I after, sometimes after Darwin Nunez has a game like that, I like to check out the uh, the shooting stats on FB Ref and just see where everyone's at at this point mm, in the season. Sure, Se- yeah, seventeen seventeen games in uh, shots per ninety. Who's number one in shots per ninety Holland. by miles in the Premier League? Erlingham. Uh, I'll give you a hint now. We've just been talking about him for 10 minutes. Darwin Nunes. Darwin Nunes. <laughs> Darwin Nunes. See, but he was setting us no, up there. because I he, thought he was going to say you'd be surprised to know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Haaland uh, is actually the top shooter in terms of 54 shots. What? That was what, what did you just ask? Shots per 90. Shots per actual, you know, if, when you when you correct for time on pitch, oh, time okay. played. Okay. Uh, so Haaland is 54, Watkins 50, Salah 49, Solanke 48, Nunez 47. Solanke's presence there is interesting. Liverpool would actually be better off with Solanke. Remember they signed Solanke years ago. Yeah. He was one of those Michael Edwards um, signings. 
you know, where they'd say, mm, we think this guy could be good. You know, and it wasn't as though he was totally anonymous. He had won the World Cup, hadn't he, with the England under-19s or uh, under-20s, maybe, was it? Uh, he, he was on one of those... Uh, Work opening teams obviously was in the Chelsea youth system. It wasn't like oh a, a gem who we found mm. at Scunthorpe. He was yeah, he was yeah, a, yeah. obviously a highly rated player in his uh, in his year, um, but now has got eight goals um, for Bournemouth and looks a better player than Nunez. Mm-hmm. Uh, has had actually more shots, although not per night because Nunez is a shot machine. Nobody can stop this guy shooting, right? 4.46 shots per 90. That's like more than half a shot more than the second best player out of 500 players. Four and a half shots a game is a lot yeah. of shots. R- Richarlison is second, Haaland is third, Garnacho, weirdly, is fourth, uh, and Callum Wilson is fifth. Incidentally, just looking at these shooters, mm-hmm. um, you won't see uh, Evan Ferguson up there. Well, where you will see Evan Ferguson... Efficiency of shots, scores a lot per He is shot. the second yeah. in uh, out of 500 players in percentage of his shots on target. Oh, on target. So... Uh, and the top player is actually Matthias Jensen, the Brentford midfielder, who's only had seven shots. He's got like five out of seven shots. So of yeah. anyone who's got like a decent number of mm. shots, Ferguson is way ahead of people. It's like he's 70% of his shots are on target. Well, you can I, see he doesn't lash at it. He, yeah. The goals that he scores are all gently stroked with a certain amount of power often taken earlier than the goalkeeper was I'd like expecting. to see him score another goal, though. Oh, yeah, no, I'd like to see him Seems score like one or two more. But in a while. St- steady on. Yeah, well, Brighton generally have been kind of having a few problems, right? I mean, they're still letting in stupid goals, uh, uh, but they're, they're kind of attacking... Um, Magic seems to have faded a bit, and now they're just a sort of a soft mid-table team. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh no, how how can we rediscover the magic? So, yeah, I mean, Evan Ferguson scoring a goal, but you know, it would be. I agree with you that it would be good. He's got six goals in the Premier League this season. Yeah, and he's and he's also sixth in the thing. I was going to get to Owen. Non-penalty XG mm-hmm. minus goals. <laughs> Non-penalty XG minus goals. Oh, no, no. Goals, no. Goals minus... Henceforth to be known. Goals minus Evan non-penalty. Ferguson Non-penalty uh, goals minus XG. Oh, whatever it is. It's basically, when we compare the number of goals this player has scored to the expected goals they've had, and, you know, <laughs> subtract one number from the other, uh, we, get, we get a number which tells us, is he doing better with the chances than, than we would expect mm. or, or worse? Or worse than we expect, and Evan Ferguson is um, is sixth on that list, which is still topped by our friend Huang of Wolves. He's just been having an incredible uh, season. Son is all, all uh, is up there as he usually is. Son is always uh, ranking high in this category. Highland is obviously up there. Evan Ferguson is sixth in that six out five hundred, which is you know which is pretty decent. Um, the bottom five players in this is an interesting little list. Let's go all the way to the bottom of the list and see out of the 500 Premier League players who's the worst finishers, okay. uh, at least measured by. You know, you've got you've got lots of guys who are hiding in mid table here. Yeah, they yeah. haven't had any chances. They're not interested, but at least they haven't missed any chances, yeah, right? Yeah. Who are the who are I'm the worst say, finishers? Nunes has taken four and a half shots a game, <laughs> and he's, yeah, he has scored given the, twenty the Premier League there. goals. Well, Darwin Nunez is certainly one of the bottom five. Let's put it there in 496th place. Uh, Darwin Nunez, ah, four cool. goals from six point eight expected goals uh, for an underperformance two point eight in four hundred ninety seventh place. Nicholas Jackson of Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. yeah, he's got seven goals, but he still missed a hell of a lot of chances, <laughs> and and therefore is uh, well. There's only yeah. there's only three players who are apparently worse from him in four hundred ninety eighth place. It's Rasmus Hoyland. <laughs> Rasmus Hoyland, who had the best chance of the game, Owen. Yeah. yeah. Had the best chance of the game. Uh, if you'd seen that game. chance of nothing else, you'd have seen most well, of I the did good football right, that yeah. was Scott McTominay, who says he can't be Bruno Fernandes? Mm. Who says Scott McTominay can't do what Bruno Fernandes does? I mean, would Bruno Fernandes have done anything different than that? You know, first time, little pass. Uh, Hoyland's in. He's true. It's a good chance. Mm. Allison, to be fair, very good goalkeeper. Uh, is standing in the right place to have the ball drilled at his solar plexus and stops it going in the net. Uh, in 499th place, come on, it's another player from the club of Rasmus Hoyland. Garnacho? It's Marcus Rashford. Uh, Marcus Jeez. Rashford is right down there. And the only player who's worse uh, so far 
is Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who, whose misses have been uh, mentioned Could in Dispatches. Yeah, you'd have to say that the, that bottom five is a particularly juicy bottom five. It is, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's like... There's there, there, names there. Somewhere. Yeah, there's names. There, there, there is literally no one, like, just filling in a spot there. They're all, they're all like... Beautiful, textured, rich narrative. All five <laughs> yeah, of those, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, really, really top class. Now, of course, these things can change quickly. You know. I, I love the fact that there's like a list like this where you can just be like, the five worst strikers in the league. I have to say, though, fair play to Darwin Nunez for getting all the way down there. Uh, you know, when, you know, when we're talking about the depths, when he's, he's, he's managed to swim all the way down to these depths, almost to rock bottom of this list, with the two giant airbags, the two giant XG airbags of his two goals against Newcastle, you know, strapped to either foot. <laughs> Right, like he, you know, because because neither of those were big XG, XG yeah, see, yeah. particularly the first one where it was it was like, yeah. he, who scores this, right? You know, bang, he smacks it in, like that's that really should be propelling him <laughs> a bit higher in this ranking. So he's done some exceptional work to get back down there. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, obviously Hoyland has scored zero goals, which is you know, it's not, it's for it's not ideal. Uh, and Rashford, yeah, you know, not been having such a good season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, Darwin Nunez, not great. Look, we, yeah, yeah, we probably shouldn't have been that surprised. He was nil all, really. If we if we looked at this at uh, this chart before, uh, before. Well, I was looking Sunday. at Mo Salah's goal scoring record against Man United. Well, those Salah's are, record against numbers against United is is good, and uh, well, you know, he, even he didn't play that well. So then, what I noticed actually is happening is people. A lot of people seem to lose patience with with Nunez, and then people are rounding on the defenders of Darwin Nunez. They'll say, "Well, what about Diaz?" And what's Diaz? What's what's he done lately? And the answer is not a lot. Uh, but I still kind of feel like he's a better player. Also, <laughs> he's got some things going I on. I do feel there's been some things going on. We don't know what's going on in anyone's life, I suppose. But yeah. we do know what's we going on. We do know on what's going on in his. Yeah, it was Diaz's life, and that is his he's father was kidnapped and gone for. People a don't really weeks. care so much about the father kidnapping Owen so much as the inability to beat a man. Yeah, yeah. That you know? that that is. Uh, abundantly clear. <laughs> That's you know we you know we we can take or leave the father business, but what we have seen is a marked reduction yeah. in um, successful dribbles. Um, one of these things is important, and one of them is unimportant. But just to, just to, sorry to someone from the game, rather than just get lost in minutia of of individual players, I thought that it was a bad game by Jurgen Klopp. I thought he really made a bit of a mess of it. In what way? Well, I thought he picked the wrong team to start with. He went, uh, like if you look back at that 7-0, okay, a few of those players have left, I mean, Henderson and Fabinho both started that game, for example, with Harvey Elliott. I thought Harvey Elliott, we were talking about him last week. Every time I've seen him play this season or the last few games, particularly, he's been very good. Mm -hmm. In a game like this where Manchester United are are really going to defend, what you need more than anything is just players who are going to be calm in picking their passes you know what I mean just to, who aren't going to lose because this is what Liverpool did they lost the head uh, too many of them whether Sabasai seemed to be having a one of those games where it was like the occasion was too much for him you know he was like nervous oh I can't redo really anything um, uh, you know the, Nunez obviously doesn't really think much um, uh, Diaz maybe doesn't get the head up much um, Harvey Elliott does those things and I think also Cody Gakpo should have been should have been playing because he is somebody who has a cool head. It was very important for them when they came back against um, Fulham in that recent game. Um, he played a huge role there. To be fair, Nunes did too. But I thought, it was, I felt as though Klopp was kind of banking on Darwin coming up with something. You know, like he's gonna he's gonna stick one in for us rather than paying attention to what he was actually doing, which was nothing. Mm. You know, ra- you know he, he's getting all, he's getting caught offside. He's making bad decisions. He's not really. He's not really getting involved in the game. Um, you know, he sh- he should have acted. I think sooner. Uh, and when he did actually make a change, which is just around the uh, hour mark, Gravenberg had got injured, so he took off Gravenberg and Sabasley uh, and put on um, Gakpo and Gomez, Joe Gomez, and moved Alexander Arnold sort of into midfield and and basically started playing four two four. It was at this point that Manchester United had their best spell of the game. And it was at this point that they had several attacks, which one of them was the Allison save from Hoyland. One of them was Anthony, who just who, who got who who was sort of in and only to pick out a player, pick out a teammate in the box, and this is going to be a goal. 
and manages to pass the ball behind everybody. Um, there was the Garnacho, uh, the Menu pass to Garnacho. Was Garnacho, that in the same period? I believe so. Um, yeah, and the McTominay had a shot, and there was another one where the ball. And, and like, so, what I'm saying is that Klopp's changes completely lost the control Liverpool had had. They had had a kind of a, a weak uh, or a control without managing to penetrate or cause any problems. And he kind of said, okay, we'll put on an extra forward. And then they completely lost control of the game. Suddenly, suddenly it was a 50-50. It went from being like a, is this going to be one of those games where they they kind of ineffectually try to score and fail, to this is a game that Man United now can definitely win. Yeah. So he then changed it back, or, or he, 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 he took off um, Diaz and Nunez and put on uh, Elliott uh, too late, I thought, and Jones, another player who I think is unlucky not to play. Um, and then they were kind of back in control of it, but... Yeah, by then, then they just ran out of time. So I thought it was a poor game by him. I thought maybe some of the wrong players played. I think some players were allowed to stay on too long despite playing badly. And I think the overall uh, issue for Liverpool is what is their team now? Like this is the this is the question that uh, they've got lots of interesting options now. They've obviously improved the team a lot since last year, or improved the options, but they don't actually know what the team is. Uh, it used to be the easiest thing in the world picking their team. Mm. You know, everybody know everybody knew what the team was, for, was for several years. Part of the problem, though, wasn't it? They had to move on from that, and also one or two of those players, like Jordan Henderson, were probably past the point where past their best. Oh, so com- they did have to completely. They did have to revamp the midfield in particular. Those those guys absolutely had to had to go. They had to find a new team, but they haven't found a new team. They've got lots of new players, and they've got lots of options. But I don't think he knows what his best players are. There's, there are five forwards for three. Positions. I don't think he knows which of the three. I mean, Salah, he knows Salah's the best. He's going to play. But then there are four other players, and I don't think he knows. Or maybe maybe he does know, but he kind of feels like he has to put Darwin in because they spent so much money on Darwin, and he kind of pushed for Darwin that it would be great if Darwin could succeed. You know, I don't actually think he's... A, for me, the best three forwards they have are Salah, Gakpo, and Jota. Jota is obviously injured at the moment. Jota is like an efficient player. Yeah, he's he'll score good. a goal. You know, if he gets a chance, he'll score a goal. Diaz is, is more talented, but Jota, I think, is more productive. Uh, Nunez, I still think, is a bust. And then there's all these uh, midfielders. So they've got they've got much more energy, probably more more technical ability than they had in the previous set of midfielders. But which ones of them do you play? I don't think he knows. And then you've got Alexander-Arnold, sort of, is he a midfielder? I mean, he clearly wants to be. Klopp, a couple of years ago, said, why would you want to take the best right back in the world and make him into a midfielder? You know, he was totally against this idea, which has now become reality. He's sort of, like, he's been a midfielder effectively since April. You know, Klopp, I don't know if you saw him last week, you know, the way they had opened the new stand Mm -hmm. at, uh, they they, they were opening up the, the new, the redeveloped, Anfield Road end and he was kind of talking at a at an event mm. and he had a little giggle at Chelsea yes or Caicedo yeah. uh, Caicedo didn't mention by name did he didn't say him by name but, but everyone knew who it was about where he had, he had said you know we had some weird stuff happen to us uh, in the summer in the transfer market you know and now I can just think oh god like how lucky were we like you know to get away with all you know and the crowd is loud he's, he's playing to the fans here you know there was a big crowd of fans uh, and he's like yeah you know some people didn't want to some defence midfielders didn't want to join Liverpool well you know you see what happens and uh, so he was kind of having a little and, and okay I can I can understand him kind of thinking well screw you Caicedo because you know we offered you the chance to come here you're like no I'll only join Chelsea and okay, this is this is sometimes what happens when you make a choice in life and then the, the people in, in you rejected seem to be doing much better but you know, at the end of it, Caicedo would definitely be in this Liverpool team and he would have solved one of these issues for Jurgen Klopp, which is who do I play as, as my number six? He, he would know. If they had Caicedo, then he would know that. He would have an answer. I don't know if Lavia would have solved the, the problem. In fact, they, they are lucky they didn't sign him because he hasn't kicked the ball. Mm. But um, Caicedo, you know, would be... Uh, would have kind of solved this problem. So while he was kind of giggling at Caicedo, which is, okay, fair enough, um, he's got some problems there, which I don't really think he's close to solving. They've been getting away with it, I think, by scoring a, a lot of late goals and so on. This is what happens when it didn't, and when they don't manage to do that, it's just a kind of a mess of a performance, uh, and I'm not really sure 
what the, what it's going to be that he settles on. Sounds like I was definitely better off watching Willy Wonka. A deeply strange character, must be said. But what else was happening again? Well, Manchester City didn't win, Owen, which was a big surprise because they were 2-0 up. And usually when they're 2-0 up in a home game, I understand, Owen, some people were uh, criticising you for not showing this. Ah, just, <laughs> well, there was no atting going on, so I just decided, no, I won't, I won't, I won't get involved in that. Oh, you saw the criticism. Uh, I saw the criticism. Look, it was just, just, you know, a certain former top Irish sports journalist oh. tur- turned novelist. Wow. Turned best-selling novelist. Oh, best-selling novelist. I know the gentleman in question. With a lead character based in the oh. private rugby-playing schools uh, of listen, South Dublin. You've I think you might know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Paul Howard. Yeah, Paul Howard. <laughs> it was Paul Howard. Paul Howard, Paul Howard was calling you a disgrace. Given out about the, so. the Palace, um, Palace-Manchester City uh, game. The collapse of Man City's title charge not being on TV. Yeah. In defence of the people at Premier Sports who make these decisions... Oh, Did they know not, that was not me? Is, is, yeah, exactly, is, is yeah. the message he was eager to convey there? You know, when the decision when when, when the fixtures were called. See, it's also it's also a few weeks in advance. You know, so yeah. mm. Man City wouldn't have been sort of mid collapse when it was called. And of course, if you know it's going to be that result, and Palace are going to come and score two late goals, you probably would, that could have been the game. Yeah, but equally, Chelsea could have been caught by Sheffield United. You never know. Mm. Yeah, easily. Um, Except I mean, they weren't. I'm not sure what Sky were thinking. By the way, why well, is it, why is it always Happy Hammers Day on Sunday? Uh, it's it's like title chasing Arsenal against interestingly coached and Evan yeah. Ferguson starring Brighton, yeah. or title chasing Villa against interestingly coached uh, Nathan Collins starring Brentford, yeah. mm-hmm. or West Ham against Wolves. <laughs> well, obviously, also a Hammers. Premier League fixture. <laughs> um, it was bizarre. To be fair, to be fair Kudis is a, is a tremendous player. There are yeah. there are there are things written into a lot of these contracts where you, you can't just show oh, the same team. Silly the whole little time. me and Ken and Paul Howard couldn't possibly understand the intricacies of a broadcast deal. Is that what you're saying? Oh? Well, yeah, well I do, are they, are they, they do with it what you will. Are we going to be able to see West Ham at all in the second half? I feel like they've been on a the quota's already been reached. The West Surely Ham quota's West been reached Ham. by Sky Sports. Like, um, but yeah, so so City obviously didn't um do well. I mean we all we all got to see eventually what happened. We tuned um, into the radio and <laughs> what happened was uh, well, we, went, we, we, we went on teletech we went on CFAX um, we got the results once again uh, we saw um, Phil Foden betray Pep Guardiola uh, with a, an absolutely insane <laughs> it was insane and, uh, like, it was one of the craziest penalties I've seen given away this season I really I, I guess he thought, Guardiola's uh, interview afterwards was like oh, he really, are you asking me about the penalty it's of course yeah. it's a fucking penalty. Did you see the incident? Guardiola did not like that moment no. at all. And he made it pretty clear that this is Foden's fault. And he even mentioned Foden giving the ball away in the bill. Well, he he also mentioned Bernardo Silva giving the ball away in the bill. But like it's him having to go Bernardo Silva. It reminds me a bit of, you know, Giggs used to say, Ferguson would come into the dressing room and scream at me when he was really angry because... I could take it. Well, yeah, I suppose that's what everybody believed at the time. Um, but you know I don't think Bernardo Silva I expect Pep Guardiola will continue to lean heavily on him Foden has annoyed him here has really annoyed him and it was just a mad uh, tackle to give away the penalty but the interesting thing about it is 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 this another game where Guardiola plays you know Guardiola did make a substitute in this game Mm -hmm. after the penalty it's like it's important to get John Stones on for the last four minutes of this uh, you know he, he made a substitution in the 96th minute I think to be fair he was trying to make it before the penalty but then he was, his, oppor- his first opportunity was the first break in play was, was the penalty um, but that's strange again to get to 95 minutes without making change um, and you've got Kovacic and Mateus Nunez sitting there you know uh, <laughs> and again Rico Lewis is playing playing the whole game I just I think that's quite an interesting situation. Um, his total lack of interest in using these players. You know, I'm I'm more surprised with the Kovacic thing than the Nunez because I think Kovacic is a better player. Nunez, I, I'm not really sure why they bought him. Uh, City, of course, are off to uh, Saudi Arabia or they're in Saudi Arabia now. Well, they I need guess. to break, don't they? Really, and the only thing I will say is it's been bad by City. It's it's by their standards, it's an absolute crisis. Yeah. They're only four and points. It, fe- yeah, it feels points. like other teams are. It feels like oh, Liverpool having a good season, Arsenal having a good season, Villa are absolutely flying it. And yet, there's, yeah, exactly. There's still only a five point lead until yeah. that lead gets stretched out to fifteen points. I'm not even going to start counting if, the yeah. that City aren't going to win the league. Yeah, if City were fifteen points behind Arsenal right now, I'd say 
It's about, a it's about it's about fifty fifty now. It's about uh, I would say it's about fifty fifty. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's. I mean, is Haaland going to be going to be back? Is he going to be fit? What's the what's the situation? Haaland's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. Kevin De Bruyne to come back in. <laughs> don't worry about that. Haaland All the things you're be, De Bruyne will be a yeah. version of the things you're about to say. We would have said last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there exactly. were problems. We last all year learned as our well. lessons last year and other years. So literally everything that could have gone wrong yeah. did go wrong in the first half of last season, and they literally would everything thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I suppose the, the break. Yeah, maybe they're they're off to play. They're off to play Urawa. Red diamonds. Mm-hmm. Why do I struggle with that word? Uruawa red diamonds. <laughs> I wonder why. There's a lot of or. I mean, no one's, no one's judging you for that. Uruawa red diamonds. Yeah, you'll uh, just take a breath. And there. then, of course, yeah. potential final against Fluminense. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, who, which, well, it's going to be an interesting game. Didn't know we had Tim Vickery in studio. Mm. Uh, because they, this is obviously the the face to face of Pep Guardiola and his his nemesis. Yeah, his well, his opposite. I despise for, everything you stand for and believe in, Fernando Denise. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Pep Guardiola, this kind of ice priest. You know, just in ca- everything is just encased in these hexagonal ice crystals, and then Fernando Denise is just you know playing jazz and sort of surfing on a fiery wave encased in these hexagonal ice crystals <laughs> that's Pep <laughs> you know he's you know wearing white robes that's Everything's, exactly what I take every time I watch Mad City play everything football. is bleached of colour he's wearing this kind of cream like light you know pale robe and mm. there's this pale blue kind of and obviously City play in that colour uh, and then it's up against these guys who are just like human beings you know what I mean Yeah, human beings with all of to their flaws fatal fatal flaws you know all the, all the sort of the messy like oozing you know, fluid of the human experience uh, is going to be up against this frozen, you know, tyrannical uh, positional Guardiola thing. Manchester so, City 4 Fluminense in. What can I say? what That's probably what it is. Fluminense would even get a kick. They yeah, literally he, would. The, the goalkeeper will attempt to short uh, a number of short kickouts. Then he'll give up on that and just start booming it out and City will not give them any ball whatsoever. These teams may not even both make the final. We don't know that yet, but it's all it's all happening in uh, lovely Jeddah, which I hear is an amazing place to visit. Sure, if you want to go to Saudi Arabia, visit Saudi. Uh, they and they've also announced the plan for the uh, exciting, the very exciting uh, FIFA Club World Cup next year, or is it twenty twenty five? Let me get the details for you. Twenty twenty five. So they're they're having a thirty two team uh, summer. Summer They're World Cup size tournament. Could they, could they not just started with sixteen and just see how it went? No, thirty-two teams. It's a thirty-two team uh, tournament between. Ken, f- can I ask you something? What? Are Manchester going to be in this fucking tournament? No, they're not. They're not. It's not they're like... De- Manchester United, I can confirm, will not be involved okay. in this tournament. The two they're English... They're not going to get invited for, like, for uh, legacy uh, achievements no. in soccer. No, there, there was, a, um, there was a, a, a debate over whether that would be the qualification criterion. So the Champions League winners from 21 to 24 all qualify. But then there is... Um, where are you in the UEFA Champions League coefficient over the same four-year spell? Um, and one of these, the Champions League thingy, contain, uh, takes precedence over the other, whether you've won the... Com- so this is why Chelsea and Man City will be the two Premier League clubs, not Liverpool, who were second in the coefficient, but last won the tournament in 2019, whereas Chelsea won in 2021. Man United will not be involved. But, like, this is... By the way, this is a, a World Cup-sized tournament yeah. happening in June involving all of these club teams. Like, how are they supposed to do this, exactly? Well, like, what is this? This is crazy. Now, they're all getting, like, $50 million minimum. So that's why they're interested. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know if you saw the news that uh, David Alaba has just snapped his ACL. No. It's the third Real Madrid player to do it in, like, right. the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months, rather. So... Um, Ancelotti's Ancelotti's going absolutely potty on the eyebrow is being raised for uh, Carlo will go potty when he hears about what's happened to uh, Alaba and uh, screaming blue murder about the schedule but yes uh, Owen Real Madrid will be involved in the 2025 of course champions FA FIFA club world cup in Saudi Arabia 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ronaldo, when I met Ronaldo, it was just a dream come true, and he said to me, Are you okay? Because I was obviously I was crying. Happy tears. Kids. Not for me. Kids. The girl who got Ronaldo's shirt was on the Late Late Show. Christmas is for kids. Which, by the way, I don't agree with. No, it's so annoying, though. These kids, why do they need to be on the pitch? The pitch is for the players, the team, and the supporters. This time of year we all turn into. Come on. Children who invade the pitch are, are being invited onto the Late Late Show and showered with gifts. No, not for me. The specter of Dudu Awat continues to haunt World Service members. The Israeli goalkeeper, bane of Brian Kerr's time in charge of the Republic of Ireland, thrasher of houses he lived in, according to a World Service member who moved into a place in thanks, Brano, who moved into a place in Santander that had previously that had previously been occupied by the Did he bust his pants? Rassing Santander goalkeeper. I might need to repeat that story because you just keep yeah, sorry, unbelievable. Sorry, I I apologize. Yeah, so sorry. Essentially, a World Service member emailed in to say that they were living just outside Santander a number mm. of years ago and the landlord was complaining about the previous tenant who thrashed the place before leaving and that, or uh, had left the place in a very unkempt yeah. condition it should be said uh, that person was allegedly due to a the then Racing Santander goalkeeper so anyway he pops up again in a more positive context in this email from Joe O'Brien hi gang listen to the latter end uh, the latter end of today's show this is late last week had me reeling as Ken began to describe his experience with the YouTube clips of the infamous doo catastrophe I felt almost immediately that the not quite ESPN sports centre aesthetic he was describing had to be that of the nightly sporting news and highlights show Fox Sports World Report it is a bit of what we were talking well, the about the first half had goals the second half had a bit of acrimony, and that wasn't more apparent than here. Andy O'Brien collides with Keeper, and Awat slugs him, but as O'Brien goes to respond, Awat <laughs> clutches his face, and check the replay. Check the uh, replay. From aggressive to victim in a heartbeat, and what happens to O'Brien? He gets Damien, check the replay. out of the match. Awat, the third time right. in the match that he had done those antics, he was getting tired of the pressure from uh, Ireland. They almost scored late. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had done those antics Awad quite a lot there. Ball, but FS, so our, guesser, our email here guesses that this might have been the show Fox Sports. What do you call it? FSWR. Fox World Report World Sports Report. World Report and um, it was an early Murdoch owned foray into global sport for North American audiences the dulcet and delightfully Canadian commentary tones of hosts like Jeremy St. Louis St. Louis that could have been him there and Michelle LaSalle were the soundtrack to the burgeoning soccer fandom of this young guy young Joe O'Brien here no relation to poor Andy of the undeserved red card Fox Sports World Report was for a time the greatest entree to world soccer a young person could ask for in a relatively soccer unfriendly atmosphere of America in the early aughts you could see games or highlights from almost every league or international tournaments of the era I personally found soccer on a family trip to Ireland yes he's calling it soccer but so did you earlier Murph so it's fine I in 2003 by catching a Man United game on terrestrial TV in rented digs I returned to the US as a changed person with a gorgeous Republic of Ireland national team shirt sponsored by Aircom he mentions here I fairly begged my grandparents to buy the premium cable tier that included FSW whatever it's called uh, in the hopes of once again catching sight of the gloriously named Dutchman with the golden boot Ruud van Nistelrooy Fox Sports World changed my life and opened my eyes to a whole world of sport and the essential niche podcasts that accompanied by the way to the many, many of you emailing in to criticise me and Murph for talking over Ken's 
Kyle Lafferty story from last week. Yeah. It was related to the do a what? Yeah, because Ken had gone on holidays to Palermo and had stayed in the apartment that had been occupied by... Kyle Lafferty. Kyle Lafferty, the landlord. But long story short, there was no end to the story. Yeah, apparently was, apparently we, had, we had stopped Ken from telling the... Given the punchline to this, whole there was Kyle no punchline. It was just an extremely boring fifteen-minute diatribe about Kyle Lafferty that we all spared you. There was nothing. There was nothing. It was just the landlord was boasting about his friendship with Kyle Lafferty. But then, why were Paul Keels, Raymond Flanagan, Kelly McCarthy, Mark Townsend, and others telling us <laughs> to shut our traps, Murph, so that Ken could finish the story? That was the story. There wasn't yeah. anything more. Yeah. Yeah. There that you go. Okay. Thanks for listening today. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thank Ken. you. Owen and thank you thanks a, million. thanks a million why don't you give yourself a little Christmas present and sign up now for ad free pods it only costs five euro a month plus a little bit of VAT for the treat yourself yeah. says Owen McGill. you only have to sign up for the next month and you can always cancel after one month which wouldn't be great for us but I, I mean, would hope you, that you would ca- at least you'd not want to you know, cancel you would, it exactly don't die wondering that's exactly. the big that's the big, exactly. that's the big message the from second today's show. podcast is part of the ACAST the ACAST creator sorry I didn't mean to talk, talk over you there what were you going to say I'll finish this story network Is that? It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 